You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. So what we will do is we've got a, we've got a, a video to show. So turn your eyes here and um, check out this video. You're in the pool rooms. That's where the evangelist has to be. If the kids are on the motorbikes in Elizabeth Street on Saturday morning, that's where the evangelist has to be. He has to go where the people are. And we also want to see the church loosen up a bit and start to care about kids that just don't belong to the normal middle-class scene. This is where I believe the kind of work I'm in must not be divorced from the overall body of Christ, and yet I believe it must be independent. We find as you talk to individual guys on bikes, they open up, they've got their own problems about not being able to love their neighbour, the same sort of problems of personal defeat. We've got to be highly experimental. I believe we have to have strong links with you. And we believe when God really explodes in a man's mind, he doesn't become less human. Man, he becomes beautifully human. The young church is happening in unexpected ways and places. And John Smith is part of it. <laughs> Not one Harley, that's a problem. Um, <laughs> that was, um, that was a, an ad back in the day when television stations legally had to show one hour of Christian content per week, I think it was. And so there you go. God Squad got a gig on that. Um, before we jump into hearing a little bit about God Squad and then we hand over to you guys, just t- tell us a little bit about when you sort of first developed a love for motorbikes. Like, what was it about bikes that you love? I'll go first. Go, Frog. Um, so, grew up on a farm, didn't have any bikes, but a mate of mine up the road, he had a, a farm bike that he used to go and get the cows with. And the dogs would chase and whatever. So that sort of got me interested. That was a step through Honda 90, I think. Very good. Uh, didn't have to worry about gears. You just throttle on. Yeah. <laughs> so that was good. Um, but then, yeah, when I was a teenager, I started um, riding dirt bikes and just enjoying uh, getting out and about and doing wheelies and monos and falling off. Sounds good. What about you, Bushy? Mine was riding a Honda 70, pig shooting. And going f- as fast as I could on that little Honda <laughs> and then coming off. <laughs> and then, yeah, just, uh, and it just grew from there. And yeah. Just different bikes over the years. Yeah, so that's how I got into the bikes. And um, I've never had a Harley. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Getting some applause from the audience. So you've, ne- you've never had to um, get someone to come and pick you up. Obviously, you've got one. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, no I've, I've, uh, my brother's got a Harley and I've ridden it a few times and I've tried other bikes and I will get one one day, yeah, but that, at the time. Yep. Well, yeah, so. Yeah, all right. What, what, what do you ride? A Vulcan Nomad 700, yeah. Nice. What about you boys? Paul, Doc? Press the... Um, that's it? Yeah. I started when I was 15 years old, but my brother Barry, uh, who was about nine years old and I was, um, he had bikes from way back, and I sort of got interested through him. And uh, I did a paper round back in the early days, and I earned enough money at 15 years old to buy my first bike. So my brother said, I'll help you out. And so we uh, bought Saturday's Age, which was about five feet thick at those days, and uh, looked through it on the Saturday morning and said, what about this one? No, nah, you don't want that one. What about this one? No, nah, you don't want that one. What about this one? Yeah, all right, get that one. I said, what? It's blowing up motor. You know? <laughs> so, so it was an old Triumph Speed Twin, come back from Queensland and it blown up the motor. So we bought that one. And after a while, I knew every single nut and bolt in that bike. Fantastic. <laughs> good, good move. Good move. So, yep. What about you, Doc? Look, mine was, uh, yep, mine was practical. I had to find a way to get to work. And that took several hours if I was to take public transport. So for me, it was just practical. Yep. And uh, I got myself a bike that was very unreliable, but uh, <laughs> it was fun to work on. And I think 
that actually promoted the fact that I eventually was working on bike bikes quite regularly yeah. uh, in the uh, shed out the back at uh, home. But yeah, my first bike really was a Triumph 500 single. Used to fire at every lamppost and uh, <laughs> it was quite good when it did fire at every lamppost. But that was problematic. Anyway, it was the best way and the cheapest way because there was no... I mean, we're talking quite a while back. And uh, there was no regulation about what you wore and yeah. not really even a helmet. But, and I remember going for the licence was quite ridiculous because we just got on the bike and I followed him around the block and mm. that was it. And, <laughs> and you, you've got your licence and it really was. Uh, and it was a time hard knocks because, you know, you didn't have the right gear on and stuff like that. But look, the, prob the thing was it was for the practical application of getting to and from work and particularly then when I started working in the city, uh, going into the city was much better on Absolutely. a motorcycle. Free but not, parking. But not, the, but not the Triumph 500. <laughs> no. Very good. So you guys all obviously share a passion for, for motorbikes. So... When when did you encounter Jesus? Like when did Jesus become a a factor in your life? When did when did you encounter His love? Um, so very young again, yep. about seven years old, and I was just thinking the name of your church is Liberty, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about the age of seven was the first time I started to feel like something was wrong. I was separated from God, so I remember feeling dirty. Yeah, right. And I guess, you know, we're all sinners and yep. that was the first time I really felt like that and that was, I responded at church to say, forgive me Lord and yeah, so very young age. Yeah, right. And um, didn't uh, hold true to that all my life but, uh, so I had a little hiatus for seven years. Yep. But um, thankfully been able to press on ever since. Prodigal returns, hey? Yeah. Mine was, I was about um, 30 years old, I think it was. Yep. And um, in a very dark place, um, which we won't go into, but it sure. wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a good spot. And um, previously, my sister used to witness to me and I would grab her by the scruff of the neck and the belt and throw her out of the house. Yep, yep. And I don't know if you've ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she was persistent. Um, and uh, how I came to the Lord was um, I was on horseback. Um, I got crook. They came and got me. My plan was to uh, rob their house and to move on. But God intervened, went to church, um, felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Um, got baptised that day. Wow. Uh, I was a load, just uh, bags of concrete or cement taken off my shoulders. And... Um, and got involved with the Lord then, had fallen away and then got back into the Lord, went to Teen Challenge for a while. Yeah. And, um, and I give God the glory that I'm able to sit here now and to give him the praise. Wow. Praise God. How good is that? What a testimony. Yeah, what about in you my guys? case, it was a two-stage event actually because when I was a young lad, uh, my father was a minister so I had no choice but to go on to church. <laughs> But uh, when I was about 13 years old, I made a decision there at the last of Billy Graham Crusades in Melbourne. And uh, it was the big crusade that they had. It's the biggest um, number of people they had in the... the uh, um, um, MCG. MCG, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Happens again when you get older. Um, but, you know, I, in those teen years, I sort of fell away. And gradually, I started to lose track of, um, of God. And uh, it's when I was 20 years old that I was invited by my big brother again. He invited me along to this missionary encounter camp up there in uh, northern Victoria. And I was hit right between the eyes with uh, the gospel all over again. And I had to think very clearly. And I basically made a, a cold, hard, logical decision, worked it through, and I made a decision that it was crazy not to accept the Lord for, for my salvation. Mm. And I did that. And it was about two weeks later after that, and that was a, a very calculated, logical decision I'd made. But about two weeks after that, and I, um, I started to follow his uh, idea, and I used to read the Bible every morning, still do. And uh, on one of those occasions, about two weeks later, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I realised, bang, the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, uh, you know, I have not been the same since. And that was just before I went into the Army with National Service. 
and boy, that was a, a learning experience as well. But wow. no, that was so. Twenty years old is when I really made that solid decision. Yeah, so. yeah. About you, Doc. Well, I I had uh, come to take Christ into my life at a later stage. My life was, uh, yeah, it was pretty disgusting, and it's probably a testimony for some time when yeah. people are ready to hear the word. But uh, no, I, I was travelling along what I thought was a pretty good route, doing what I wanted to do, uh, but I was affecting many people hmm. and not in a nice way. It was uh, probably because of the association I had with mates that I was working with. Yeah. We were, um, I mean, one of my early jobs was working in an abattoir and uh, I must say people there are um, a little different. Cutting up uh, animals, and yeah, it was it was just a different lifestyle. But um, my parents, of course, bless their souls, were um, both religious people, and I had a sense of it when I was younger. Yeah. But it certainly didn't interest me. In fact, uh, I would often tell them that I thought the Bible was a good novel. Yeah, right. So that's the sort of situation I was in. But uh, it wasn't until a mate who I knew had left the scene that we were doing and what we were doing and came back and he had met Christ and he told me that um, what you were doing was just so evil and he was quite right when I sat down and talked with him about it and uh, it was really at that point that um, I had to really rethink mm. about where I was and particularly what was I doing and um, what was I doing to others, it was, yeah, it was just one of those horrendous things. And then I met, I don't know if you knew Brian Kneebone, but uh, Brian Kneebone was a member of Squad years ago and uh, I think it was really him that uh, we prayed together, we read mm -hmm. the Bible together and um, there was one night at his place, him and Gloria, and uh, we sat down and we just openly wept and it was just, you know, euphoric. Yeah situation where and, and Brian said to me he said you know it was that night and I was looking at you when there was this big black mass just lifted and disappeared from mm. your body mm. almost like an exorcist you know it was wow. just unbelievable anyway at that time I just felt the world was a much better place without <laughs> what I was and uh, it probably is a better place that I'm not there so but yeah, that was really the turning point. And mm. from there on in, and of course, Brian was a member of squad. And so yeah. he said, well, you better come along and find out what we're on about. Yeah. And uh, that was old school, of course, <laughs> way, way back. Yeah, a long time ago. But yeah, that was, that was the turning point. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, thank you so much for sharing. I, 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 do, I do say, I do say in terms of a testimony, which is uh, very simple, I say, be, before I met Christ, I was a filthy sinner in need, in need of mercy and grace. And now that I've accepted Christ into my life, I'm just a sinner in need of mercy and grace. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Can I steal that? You can use yeah, it. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, that's very good. It's a testimony that cleans up a lot of bad things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for sharing a bit of your um, testimonies and how you came to know Jesus. Obviously, for you guys, I'm imagining anyway, that motorbikes and, and squad played a bit of a part in, in um, you know, your, your formation as, as Christians and that sort of thing. How, how important was it for you guys to sort of discover that there were ministries like the ones you're in there for people who love bikes but also happen to love Jesus as well? Yeah, I... Um when I got married and started having kids with a good wife down there, um, it wasn't a priority to be riding a bike. So I had 20 years off, still kept a full licence all those years. Yep. But I remember when my son, so we had four kids, three girls and a boy, when my son was the youngest, when he got his licence, something happened for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to the wife, I might go and get myself a bike. <laughs> so I did. So I bought my first Harley at... Um, that was about 12 years ago. <laughs> and um, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I guess, like, 
um, oh, yeah, how important yeah. was it to discover yeah. that ministries like these yes. existed? Yeah. So we, at the time, I, we were in the Baptist church for 20-odd years and raised our kids and, and part of that time in ministry and that sort of thing. And I thought, oh. So it was a big it was a decision to, uh, I guess, step away from the comforts of the church yep. and to reach out yep. in mission. Yeah, great. And it was a deliberate sort of step, probably much to the horror of my wife and, and kids at the time. But uh, I remember part of what I was looking for was I thought if I can get a, get a bike, I'd like to be able to somehow combine my faith with riding yeah. and reaching out. Yeah, fantastic. And so that's how I found CMA and that's really why I got involved in CMA back in, the, in those days. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks. What about you, Bushy? Um... We had a CBR 1100 and um, we were riding around and, and we're going to church in bits and pieces and and I thought I, I wouldn't mind finding a, a Christian group somewhere along the line. Yeah. And um, so I went on the internet and found bits and pieces and really wasn't much around. And um, I come across uh, this CMA and... Uh, so I went for a ride for them and um, it just felt right, uh, peace in my spirit within that. Yep. So I, I, I stuck with, with, with them and joined up with them and, and we go out and um, just within the ministry, um, sharing the gospel, coming together, like on weekends like this, like yep. we call them a church raid. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and just, just to share testimonies yep. uh, about ourselves, what God's done in our lives, yep. about the ministry. Um, we're involved in uh, Bikes for Pastors as well. We'll, we'll yeah. touch on that later yeah, on. Yeah. And so for me it was um, uh, a real growth and um, a stepping out as well mm-hmm. is in doing the motorbikes, which, yep. uh, you know, we love riding yeah. and the fellowship and, and yep. sharing the gospel. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. So it's real like an intentional sort of way of going, well, I want to be used by you, God, and I'm going to combine my loves yeah. Yeah. to actually do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're actually in, in um, another group down home. It's called Motorbike the Friends, and they've just got uh, just uh, over a 1,000 members in there. Yeah. And so we go riding with them uh, as well. We join my wife. Yeah. Um, um, so we in there as well, so we have the opportunity to share whenever we can as well in that. Fantastic. Great. What about you guys? Yeah, I... Um I guess when I became a, a, a bike rider back in 15, I used to mix with a bunch of blokes there that also rode bikes. What occurred to me was that there was a, a whole fringe element around society that just weren't touched by the, the church. Mm. The culture of the church was very different to this culture that, you know, that uh, I was starting to move in. Yeah. And uh, when I became a Christian there, or a fair dinkum one, back in, when, I was, when I was 20 years old, and, of course, in the army, you're, you're sitting living in each other's pockets anyway, so, of course, it's very easy to work at the mission. Yeah. But when I got out, at least I started to get these um, uh, communications from a very good friend of mine saying there's this new group that's just starting up in their bike culture. I thought, whoa, that's fantastic, you know, and uh, call themselves God Squad. Um, and so when I was discharged at, uh, what is it, thir- oh, July of uh, 2000, no, sorry, correction, 1972, um, I joined this group, and uh, there was just, in fact, back in those days, it was just starting off. We didn't, didn't even have colours at that stage, but um, but it was a, a way of actually reaching the ministry of the uh, of the, the counterculture. In those days, of course, we had this thing called the um, the revolution within the, uh, the hippie movement, and uh, you know, uh, was it Pete's love and mung, mung beans? I think. <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, it was it was a whole group where the society the kids of that day were starting to ask the questions of the moralities and the um, mores of their, their peers their, their, um, uh, and their uh, uh, parents and uh, really challenging those and uh, really moving in a different direction. Mm. And so, of course, God Squad started to move into that and uh, in that whole rise of the uh, Christian counterculture. Mm. And it was a fantastic ministry, fantastic in those and, days. And how, how, for you, did that help sort of shape your faith and... Oh, wow. Uh, well, sitting under John's ministry, Smithy's ministry, it just blew my mind because I, my uh, faith developed in ways that I'd never imagined. You know, you, uh, as you're riding together and you, you know, you're working together uh, in ministry, um, you're just, you know, you're, you're sitting under his ministry all the time. Yeah. And my, uh, my 
the faith just grew massively. Yeah. And uh, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, I... Yeah. What, what about you, Doc? Like how... Oh, well, I came... Like you said, Brian, Brian was a member of squad when uh, I came to Christ and uh, I didn't get too much involved initially in that particular ministry, but I was interested in the fact that they were doing something practical. Hmm. And that did interest me that uh, there was a group that would go into this different culture, this different uh, group of people and uh, work with them. And of course I came in at a time also when there was a bit of division Mm -hmm. within the club. And in fact, history anyway, so we're not not talking out of school here, but there was a split in the club and Mm -hmm. there was a faction within the club thought that it should go one direction and Smithy was very adamant that it would go in the direction that he had been called to. Mm -hmm. So a group of my friends who I was probably very close to, they decided to go off and uh, do their own thing. Yeah. That left me, and I I actually wasn't a member. You take several years, by the way, to become a member of God's Squad. Yeah. It's not an overnight thing because you've become a Christian. Suddenly you can wear the patch that Paul and I have got on today that often can take four or even longer years to establish yourself as a member. Yep. And, of course, that's important. They need to know that you are going to behave yourself when you're not within the club and when you're outside doing things that you're still proper witness. For sure. So it came at a time where I was seeking membership and going through uh, this time of uh, being... Well, them deciding ultimately had to be a unanimous vote. But uh, we didn't even have... um, well, prospects back then. We didn't have anything back then. There was no formal process. It was just if the guys in the club had a meeting and they liked you after some years... You're in. ..they'd vote, but the vote had to be unanimous and in you get and they give you your patch. Okay. So I believe, as I understand from John afterwards, because I did have a very close association with John, that I was up for membership that night the night in which there was, I suppose, a coup, <laughs> to, put it more, to put it politely. And, of course, that didn't happen. But what it did for me, though, it made me have to sit back and think, well, what the hell am I in here for? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what's going on here? These, these supposedly Christian men behaving in such an appalling way, Yeah. why would I want to become a member of that? Okay. So... While I could have been a member several years earlier, it was probably fortuitous in my case that I didn't become a member for quite some time afterwards. And it took a long time. And a long time was meeting with John and Glenna regularly, having them over for dinner, having a chat, going to their place. And, of course, they eventually, because my parents died early, they became really my mum and dad. Yeah. I knew them so well. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I knew their, their um, sons and daughters very well. So, eventually we talked about it and talked about it and he explained what went on at the meeting and so on. And it was just a matter of time and prayer. Mm-hmm. Yep. I really felt that this was probably a ministry that could be very valuable in that particular scene that it yep. operates in. All right. So, on that point, talking about ministry in that scene, what, what is God's squad, if you were to sum it up in like 30 words or less... There you go, Paul. There's a challenge for you. Mm-hmm. What, what's God's Squad all about in terms of ministry? It has changed over the years. Yeah. Mm. In those early years, in fact, I'm just watching the uh, the slides come up yeah. there. Yeah. We had a very vast uh, range of uh, ministries to start off with. Uh, we were frequently going to churches, etc., at night time. And it wouldn't be uncommon back in those days to see at least 10, 12, 15 people come to the Lord. Yeah. And that was fairly common. And, uh, you know, we were there till who knows when just uh, counselling these people in the, in the way of the Lord. But um, that uh, eventually started to move into, morph into other areas. We had a very strong uh, schools ministry. Yep. And um, uh, one of the guys that I saw there on the screen, he had a, a rather wild commando. But he, had a, um, he came from another club. 
and he became a Christian and joined God Squad. And uh, he had a, a very strong ministry within these schools. And mm. we had four things, four questions we used to uh, post to the schools. We can't do it these days. Sure. But back in those days, we hit them with the, the primary questions that really build the fundamental, um, you know, upon which our um, uh, worldviews are based. Mm-hmm. Four questions. And that was mm-hmm. destiny. I'll we'll start off with, uh, you know, uh, um, um, origin, um, identity, destiny, of course, and morality. And those, we really hit them hard. We had a fantastic uh, response. Also, universities. I can see this mm-hmm. yep. screen up there now. Uh, that's the Flinders University at the, uh, that we used to hit. In fact, uh, I won't tell you a little story about that. Have <laughs> <laughs> you used up my minute yet? <laughs> I was going to say, that seems more than 30 words to me. But <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I'm only a mathematician. Spoke, no, no, spoken no. like a true mathematician. <laughs> yes. <that's right. laughs> yeah. But, yes. you know, well, we had... So what, what about today? Like, what, what right. are the sort of the main scope of the yeah. ministry for God's God today? We have a, a within a young folk, and also obviously within the, the main, of course, culture is the bike culture. Yep. And we have a fairly strong influence in that area now. Uh, it hasn't always been that way, but it is now. Uh, but also within the young folk, the society, and they, quite frankly, they don't know when, which end is up and which end is down. So really, we've got a strong ministry there. Mm-hmm. So it still goes on. Yeah, fantastic. Doc, I'm wondering, because I know you and I have had a couple of conversations over the years, haven't we? Uh, but we have over a couple of meals too. A couple of Lovely. meals, that sort yep. of thing. Very nice. Doc, Doc's a mean um, chef, if you didn't know. One of his many talents. Um, you know, one of the things that I've come to realise more and more, even through our conversations, is that outsiders to the bikey scene, have a very warped idea of what actually goes on in the bikey scene. Mm. You know, we hear the, I guess, the worst of it, perhaps. We hear the sensationalised media saying mm. about all the, the crime mm. and all these other things. And yet, from our conversations, I've been pretty surprised by the, I guess, the, the values, the, um, mm-hmm. the way that marriage yes. is really important. Um, Family? So many things, family, community, things like yep. this. Do you want to speak yep. a little bit about that? Look, uh, how long have I got? I mean, it, Paul, Paul's <laughs> taken up most of it. I, I, <laughs> but I, I've got a few, few things. There is that perception. But look, isn't it with the media, anything that uh, is negative, they want to expose yep. and they want to highlight and yep. uh, expand upon, embellish, whatever you want to call it, but at the end of the day, uh, I've got to know quite a deal of these blokes who, all right, they're in clubs with dreadful names. There's no question about that. Sure. Their names are, uh, the names that they choose are, are quite uh, horrific. But them themselves have very strong values. And within that particular scene, the values are very strong. Family is very strong, as I've said. You mm. marry, you marry for life. Yep. You don't want to muck around with any other women because the other boys won't like that very much and uh, they'll be on to you. So family is important and getting with family and the family gathering is important. I've had uh, numerous blokes over for dinners and for lunches and for drinks and so on uh, when I was particularly at Burwood and we had the workshop out the back. Yeah. Uh, bring their bikes around, we'd work on bikes. That was always a good way to sort of start the communication rolling. And then we had some, some tough questions that they asked, which were good too. So you really had to know your Bible in order to be able to answer some of this stuff, but they were fairly genuine questions that they wanted to know. Yeah. But I got to know them and I got to realise that some of them had quite professional occupations. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they were married with uh, three or four children. They uh, had good family. Their parents were good family people. And uh, they just liked riding bikes. They yep. just like to be in a bike club, dreadful name, but they like to be in a bike club where they could just ride bikes and they would go away probably every weekend as a matter of rule. Yep. They had uh, men's night, they had their club night or chapel as they called it on uh, usually Thursday or Friday and in a sense that was compulsory, you had to attend that. Yep. And uh, I actually asked one of the road captains of a, of a club, I said, what happens if your member doesn't attend? He said, oh, well, you'll get more than a bloody phone call. So, 
you can see the, um, the... But, yeah, look, to answer your question, it, it's just a very poor perception. Yeah. But let me say this. Within the club itself, whichever club it is, they have certain rules and regulations and they adhere to those. But like all of these different subcultures, whatever it is, there are regrettably some bad apples. Mm -hmm. There are bad people that will do bad things. Yeah. And it's unfortunate they will be the ones that will be highlighted by the media mm -hmm. about the bad things they're doing. Yeah. You won't hear about the good things, about blokes who go out of their way to help others mm. within the club. And that's not just within their club. Mm. You know, they, they would go uh, on, on the Christmas bike ride with stuff for the kids. Yeah. They would do things in the background, uh, more like um, uh, putting money aside for World Vision. They would take the hat around. Yeah, right. They would give money to World Vision. They would sponsor a child. Mm within the club mm. and that would be up on their wall and they would be very happy about that. So there's things that go on within clubs that we don't hear about and they don't talk about. Sure. And we don't normally talk about it either but we see it. And as I said, I know dozens of men and women who like to ride bikes, who are in that scene, who are genuine people that like, they don't know Christ, which is unfortunate, but they do live a pretty decent life. Absolutely. So God Squad's obviously in a pretty unique position mm. where mm. over many years of presence, being present, um, going and, and mingling with different bikey gangs, you've been to some degree welcomed in and um, have built rapport and relationship and yeah. have had opportunities. What, what are some... Give us some examples of when you've seen God just really do, do something truly spectacular. Well, um, if, you, if, if you remember, I think I wrote an article probably a couple of years I ago do. now. And I think for me that probably sums it up. And I think it was about perseverance. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. And I think that article talked about the guy I witnessed to in a bike club who for many years wouldn't say much and wouldn't talk. And it was just through perseverance that he eventually came and I invited him over to my place for dinner and we sat down and talked. And he was simply wanting to find out what we were really on about, if yeah. we were serious, if we were authentic. And it is to me, and it has been over the time that I was in ministry, a matter of perseverance. Yeah, absolutely. About you, Paul, have you got a quick testimony of... Yeah, just one that comes to mind. It's uh, one that was very pivotal, I think, in the uh, development of the squad. It uh, happened way back in 1974 um, at a, th a thing called the Sunbury Pop Festival. And uh, uh, the squad had been to the uh, previous one in 73, and there were about oh, seven or eight different clubs there, motorbike clubs there. And, uh, but the second occasion, uh, in 74, there were only two clubs that were allowed in. One was God Squad and the other one was the Hells Angels. It was an interesting setup. And uh, on the oh, and also another group called um, uh, Theos, right? They had a big red double-decker bus, and one of the slides there shows that big red double-decker bus. And they uh, were uh, backed by um, um, by um, oh, one of the, uh, the Christian groups. Anyway, there it is. There. It, um, but it's, it you know, was there as well. Now, on the Saturday afternoon, a friend of mine, Ronnie and uh, myself, uh, we're both God's good members, we went down to the, uh, the tent of Hell's Angels and we're just talking to them there and a couple of guys came down the hill and said, there's about 200 skinheads up the top of the hill that are going to come down tonight and rumble you guys. You know, and immediately one of the, the H Hell's Angels turned around to us and said, where are you guys going to be? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And it's one of those occasions, I believe, and, and it doesn't happen very often, but I believe that God spoke into that situation because that verse that came out of the, um, the, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, mm. for they shall be called sons of God. Mm. And uh, I said to them that we would be in between the two groups in the role of peacemaker. Mm. And uh, that's what we did. Out of that came a very strong relationship with the Hells Angels. And that stage in history, they were the key group. And if they accepted us, 
then of course the other clubs also accepted us. You know, you don't just join a club and, um, and uh, trot, rock up there and say, I'm a new club, here, here are my own boys, and uh, they don't accept that. They, it takes a long while for it to, you know, gradually be accepted. Mm. But that was the key point that really opened up the whole ministry to the outlaw fraternity. Absolutely. So, oh, and that, that, by the way, that shot there on the screen behind you, that's a very good mate of mine, and uh, um, that just sort of shows God Squad and uh, Hell's Angels together. In fact, there's another slide there taken just recently. <laughs> that one, ah! Uh, <laughs> that's you. That's us. That's both of you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, dear me. Uh, Haven't aged have, a bit. We have changed a little bit in time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very good. Um, very quickly, how can, we, how can we get behind God's squad? As you've said, if we wanted to become a member or something, there's a, there's a big process of that. It is. But it is. practically, how can we get behind the work that you guys are doing? This is a, one, a couple of ways. One is prayer. Yeah. You know, what came out of that um, instance there at, um, um, at the uh, Sunbury Pot Festival, what happened there overnight? You know, there was supposed to be a big rumble, big fight yeah. between the HOs and the, um, and the uh, skinheads. It didn't happen. Yeah. It mm. didn't happen. And neither of those two groups were renowned for backing off from a fight. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can imagine. Yeah. But it didn't happen. And uh, I was telling that to a, uh, to a group of um, people at uh, a church just near here uh, many, many years later, about 25 years later. And one of the guys came up to me afterwards and said, I remember that. Really? Where were you? Mm. He says, I w- we were in the Theo's bus praying for you guys all night. Mm. I never knew that. Yeah. You know, it was 25 years later I discovered prayer changes things. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And uh, that's what I would ask, yeah. you know, for the congregation to pray for, pray for is it. prayer. Yeah. And one guy in particular, just a couple of weeks ago, we bumped, up, bumped into this guy from another club. Um, <laughs> he's about nine foot tall and bulletproof and uh, three pick handles, pick handles across the shoulder blades. Pretty big bloke. And uh, we'll call him Bull, right? And um, this guy, you know, started talking to him. And uh, he would be middle-aged thereabouts. And it turned out, you know, I, I just happened to say that um, um, I know where I'm going when I die, you know. And uh, he, he, that changed the whole mode of conversation because he said, well, I've got asbestosis, in other words, mesothelioma. Mm. Um, and uh, they've given me about one to five years to live. Wow. I think, wow, you know. And he had about three stents in the, around the heart. And uh, so you look at him and you think he was, um, you know, really fit. And, well, he, in fact, he's a, a repossessionist guy. <laughs> I can understand why. Um, but he's a, a guy that has a, a limited time to live. He knows that. So we started talking about the Lord. We started talking, talking about what happens after death. Yeah. Mm. I would ask for you to pray. He didn't make a decision at that point. Can I, can I ask you mm. to pray for this guy? Yeah. Because, mm. you know, yeah. the Lord, you know, this Holy Spirit can work on that guy's life. Mm. Absolutely. Heart. Mm. So I'd love yeah. to see him come yep. to the kingdom. Well, I think, you know, your sermons over the previous weeks, prayer can certainly change things. Yep. It does. Absolutely. You know, prayer would be absolutely delightful. Yeah. And, and the beauty of, um, I know from knowing a few different God Squad members and, and a young fellow over there is a prospect now, is he? Yeah, he mm-hmm. is. How's that, mm-hmm. Mr Nick Hoyles? Good on you. Um, I know that for them it, it's all about the personal relationships that they build up with other people. And so that's one of the best things that we can be doing, mm. praying that they continue to have influence, that, uh, that God would lead them in saying, opening up the right conversations at the right time, all that sort of thing. Yep. Um, that's, that's one way that we can all join with these guys in the great yep. ministry that they're doing. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh. Let's check out this video from CMA Victoria. Way back in 1979, a group of independent bikers came together and formed CMA. They share a love for the open road and the thrill of the ride. CMA organised rides around the country to state and national bike rallies, classic and vintage bike shows, and motor racing events like the MotoGP. CMA is different, unique. They promote unity in diversity and exist for far more than just themselves. CMA is the Christian Motorcyclists Association of Australia, and they support ministries across the globe through their love of bikes. 
In 2002, the first Bikes for Pastors appeal was run, raising enough money to purchase a motorbike for a church in India. In developing countries, the pastor often has to walk, pedal a bicycle, or rely on public transport in rugged terrain to take care of ministry. CMA has donated a motorcycle about every nine months since 2002 to a church somewhere overseas. Some of the countries include Papua New Guinea, Philippines, Cambodia, Thailand, Tanzania, Uganda and Bolivia. For many ministries, the simple purchase of a motorbike makes a huge difference to their effectiveness on the ground. With the support of community, CMA has achieved much, but this is only the beginning. CMA run church raids, where a bunch of bikers rock up to a church to encourage folk in their faith, sharing a testimony or preaching, hanging out for coffee, then offering rides on bikes. People love it. There is no end to the mission of CMA through our church rates and Bikes for Pastors Appeal. You might like to pledge your support by contributing funds to the next motorcycle donation. So put the word out to friends and relatives who are into bikes. We'd love to catch up for a ride. Details are on our website and on Facebook. Great, great clip. Gives, gives, gives a good uh, rundown on, on CMA, that's for sure. So what um, you guys obviously love CMA a whole lot. That's why you're here. That's why you're representing them. So what, how have you seen God kind of move through, through CMA, through the different rides, the different things that you, you guys are involved in? Yeah, I guess we're a little bit different to the, the likes of the squad. Um, we often, I often think that these guys are reaching out to the one percenters. Yep. Whereas CMA, we're sort of reaching out to the 99%. Yeah, sure. So we've got a yeah. really big uh, mission field. Yep. And, um, yeah, our main sort of slogan is unity and diversity, and we have a very diverse uh, group of members. Yep. Um, we've probably got a couple of hundred or so, or maybe more over Australia, um, but there's probably a thousand bikers that ride with us from time to time. So when we organise rides, it's quite often a number of non-Christians. Yep. That come along, so we find that's a good way just to reach out and and um, just be open and accepting of people, yeah. regardless of where they're coming from. For sure, um, definitely find as we move around churches and communities, um, yeah, p- bikers are very much on the fringe in many regard, and sometimes mm. sort of discarded and looked down upon. So we find there's a real opportunity there just to reach out with God's love and and uh, to invite them to ride with us and and be involved. So. Fantastic. Bushy. <laughs> I, I guess, um, you know, just testimonies of how you've seen God move through some of these things yeah. that you do. Um, like Dave said, you know, uh, unity and diversity and, and with the church rates, as it said on the clip there, that um, it's an opportunity to, uh, like today, to advertise that uh, motorcycles are coming uh, to a church and and in, previously in the church rates we've, we've gone to, there's an opportunity to... Um, the church to advertise that and there's opportunity for us as well to um, invite non-members to church yep. um, through the motorcycle industry. Yep. And um, and that way there's an opportunity in that as well to allow the Lord to move upon their life. Yep. An opportunity for us during that day or during the ride to, uh, to witness or to share, to answer questions um, if they ask things for that. Yeah. In that area. Great. Do you find even just wearing the leathers and stuff is a, a way for you to kind of get to the, the media questions of life rather than just small talk? Like, do you th- see it's a bit of a tool or...? Um, I don't look at it that way. Yeah. Um, there's have times where I must say I've walked into a church with everything on. Yeah. And everyone just sort of... Parts the water. Parts, parts the water. <laughs> oh, no, look. <laughs> And um, but um, it's it's a bit. <laughs> um, I think people have made the, the you know the leathers and the patches just a, a culture. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it, people look at it as your, your big mean bikey sort of thing, and you know kids kids look and say, oh, you know the God Squad or the, he's, look at his patches and yeah. and stuff like that. So there is an opportunity in that, like some of the um, I don't know what I've got on here. <laughs> um, 
freedom, um, Christ saves, um, the CMO patch here, people look at it and they'll see the yellow one here and go, oh. Yeah. And, uh, which one did you read? The loud pipes? No, the one at the top. So there's just opportunity yeah. with uh, the patch, some of the patches to, to yeah. share about it. And it does open doors, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So um, you guys obviously are big on, like all bike groups, you know, big on community, getting together, yep. building community, having places of belonging, yep. um, that kind of thing, encouraging one another, sharpening iron, sharpens iron sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, iron sharpens iron, yeah. Um, and also you've got this great initiative that, the video touched on called Bikes for Pastors. Do you want to share a bit? <laughs> Frog, do you want to share sure. a bit about that? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we're, we're, um, we're blessed here in Australia. Uh, most pastors particularly probably have one or two cars and the odd one has a bike maybe. But um, something that happened a long time ago in CMA was because um, we just love riding bikes and catching up and the social side of things. We're very easy easy to become a member of CMA, unlike the squad. <laughs> um, and we're, we're actually an association rather than a club. Yep. So we're very relaxed, but it's very much focused on friendship and um, community. And uh, I forget what I was going to say. What was your question again? Oh, bikes for pastors, yeah, yeah. So that's all the social side, and that's really good. But as Christians, so we have two things in common. One, we love bikes. But two, we're Christians, so we have a heart for the lost yeah. and a heart for the church. So in our, as we go around, we find churches, oftentimes smaller churches, and we do a church raid. So we come along and we share and we, we encourage folks in their faith and look for those outskirt guys that are into bikes or maybe rode a bike 20 years ago yep. and look for those opportunities to reach out. Um, but we find too, and the ministry that started quite a long time ago in CMA was raising funds to help pastors overseas actually get a bike. Because oftentimes, as you saw in that video, they don't have, they rely on public transport or a horse or a push bike yeah. or whatever. And they, some of those pastors have 10 and 12 churches that they um, uh, travel around to yeah. and support over a period of time. So we find. Um, over the years, we've raised enough money now. I think it's something like eighty-five thousand dollars we've raised, and we've donated over forty bikes wow. to ministries overseas Fantastic. who were able to um, get their passes out and about. Mm. So that's just some little thing we do as part of, if you like, the ministry side of things. So it's not all just good fun and out riding our bikes. <laughs> we try and ha- pay our little part in uh, being a blessing to those uh, overseas. That's fantastic. I- I mean, um, you know, in many ways, that's, that's what the church generally are called to do, aren't we? We're called to build one another up and we're also called to reach out, to go and make disciples of all nations. And, and what I love about both of your, your associations, club, is that, you know, that's, that's what you're doing. You're combining your love of Jesus with your love for bikes and you're allowing God to move through you to the one percenters, to the 99%. Um, and... And, yeah, between you guys, you've, you've got all bases covered, you know. And, and the beautiful thing, I guess, and the encouragement for us from these guys is that these guys have all combined their passion for, for God with their passion for bikes and they're living missional lives. They're living as sent people. They're allowing God to use them in different conversations, different, different ways, and, and that's the encouragement to all of us, you know. The beautiful thing about God is that he wants us to go and share with all people, but he is such a good God that he'll often combine our passions with ministry so that not only are we sharing the gospel, but we're sharing in things and through things that we're passionate about. Like maybe for some of us, we're we're passionate about footy or something and getting together in the local footy and, and building relationship and over a period of times that will open the doors for the opportunity to share the gospel. Or, or maybe for some of us it's working with people in aged care facilities, you know. Like, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. The point is that if we're willing, as these guys are, to not only have hobbies and, and have fun, but to use the things that we're passionate about along with God for the kingdom purposes, God can do really great things. So, yeah, that's kind of the encouragement for all of us today, I reckon. Um, Go bushy. 
one of the other biggest things too, I don't know if you're going to ask the question later yep. on, but um, it's uh, like before with, with prayer, mm. um, you know, we're in dark days and, and in darker times and it's going to get that way that, you know, to, to pray for the church and for the pastors and for other people for us to, to have that boldness to start to proclaim the gospel yeah. the, the way it should be proclaimed. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's, it's just getting slowly shut down mm-hmm. um, within the churches and even, even with general living. So yep. that would be a, a prayer for, for me is to, you know, for everyone to start having that boldness to proclaim the gospel. Absolutely. And, and not especially, and not to be ashamed of it. Yeah. You know, like look at what God's done for our lives as mm. even individual life. Yep. And to uh, go with that. Absolutely. And, and as much as it's not necessarily a, a super popular message anymore, it, it is truth. It is what everyone's actually looking for, whether they recognise it or not. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess, um, yeah, just want to say thanks to these guys for being with us here today. And, and I'm, I'm sure that was a super encouraging Super encouraging Q and A with with four top blokes. So Thanks let's, for having us. let's give them a hand. Before um, before we we go, we we will be making um, available the details if you wanted to contribute to the bikes for pastors as well. And these guys have some pamphlets and that sort of thing, and you can grab one of those if you up up the back near the food. It's always the best spot. Good thinking. <laughs> Um, so you can grab one of those if you'd like to support their ministry in any way. And um, also I'm sure these guys would be happy to chat with you about any initiatives that they've got going on that we could contribute to as well. And over the coming weeks, what we might do as a church is we might make um, it available to make a donation into our regular offering, just mar- marked like motorcycle, and then we'll, we'll split it 50-50 to these guys and God Squad initiative as well. So if you don't have cash on you today to, to make a donation or something like that, we'll make that possible in the weeks ahead as well. Okay, how about we um, just take a moment to pray for all these guys and um, then I'm sure they'll be sticking around afterwards. We'll get to, get to hang out and have more great chats with them. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, we just thank you so much for this great time that we've been able to have together today. We thank you, Jesus, for the the beauty, beautiful unity that we've had in diversity, um, that, that we can all get together. We're from, from different, different interests, different, different um, backgrounds, Lord, and yet we are all one in Christ Jesus because of you, Jesus. And so I thank you, God, for that. I thank you, Lord, for these two fantastic organisations. And, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to pour out your abundant provision and blessing on them. Lord, in just in every way, in the in the micro, as they're sharing the gospel, as they're encouraging people one on one or in small groups, to like the macro level, God of of really just blessing their organisations with vision and continued um, unity, so that they can continue to be powerhouses in their particular areas of ministry for many many decades to come. So, Lord, we pray a blessing on CMA Victoria and on God's Squad. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing that they have been today in sharing all that they have for us. So we praise you, Jesus, and we thank you, Lord, for the time we've had together today. In your precious name. Amen.